Welcome, everybody, into Down the Line. I'm your host, Carson Brever, and we're really getting into the thick of it now. We are into the finals of uh, the Australian Open for the women, and the semifinals for the men were halfway through. So let's talk about the premier matchup that we had in the men's draw last night, Novak Djokovic against Roger Federer. It got off to a pretty surprising start because Djokovic had been rolling through opponents. Fed was, of course, a little bit damaged with a groin injury. Now, it wasn't all that bad, but he said that he was going through some pain, and Djokovic talked about how he thought that Federer's movement seemed hindered in that one. Federer breaks in the first two games of this match, the first two service games for Djokovic, and Djokovic had been incredible on his serve in this tournament, like some of the best we've ever seen him. Uh, Djokovic was missing a lot of balls from the ground. Federer was serving huge. He had eight aces in the first set, and it got to the point where Djokovic was down 1-4, love 40. Got his way out of there with a couple of big serves, and then was down again, love 30 at 2-5, and then from then on played Really an incredible match. Only had seven unforced errors in the last two sets versus 21 winners, which has just... Djokovic has been in incredible form this entire tournament. He's just not missing balls. And he also played basically a perfect tiebreak in that first set. It was the fifth straight set that he had won against Federer in a tiebreak, which was a bit of a remarkable stat. But when that 7-1 was ripping from the ground, hitting big serves, returning beautifully, it was just... the. As essentially the perfect eight points of tennis, and it's exactly what he needed to really turn that match around. And Fed, who did play well, really well at the start, seemed like he just didn't quite have enough in him to sustain that. But impressive from Fed to make it to the semis with all he went through, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But Djokovic right now, he's won six straight matches at slams against Fed. He's won 10 of their last 12 meetings in slams and 10 of 16 overall. So going back... Way back to when Djokovic was a young pup, Fed won the first four. But 10 of 12 since then. He's on a 15-match win streak, and he's just not missing balls. He's, to me, got to be the heavy favorite. I think he's been the heavy favorite all tournament long, and now going up against either Team or Zverev, two very respectable opponents, guys that are playing awesome right now despite their historical underachievement in slams. But with the form Djokovic is in, I just can't imagine anyone beating him. And he will retake the number one ranking in the world if he wins. He had some chances to do that late last year as Rafa stumbled, but he ended up stumbling himself, so he didn't quite get back. But already has 275 weeks at number one in his career. Fed's all-time record is 310. So he's got 36 to go. So if he holds on for the rest of this year, he will take the all-time record for weeks at world number one, which is actually one of my bold predictions from before this year even started. And then... The greatest of all time conversation starts to get really interesting, and we'll we'll talk about that more after this tournament. But if Djokovic wins, because of course that 17th slam would be a big one. But for now, let's talk about Fed because at 38 and a half years old with a groin injury, he just made the semifinals of a slam, had two incredible comeback wins against Milman and Sandgren, pushed the best player in the world, in my opinion. I think Djokovic is better than Nadal right now. Pushed him around for seven games by just playing near-perfect tennis. Not that he was all that hobbled, but he wasn't 100%, and he was incredible at the start. And he's basically six months younger right now than Connors one was in that 91 U.S. Open semifinal run that is, like, one of the all-time great miracles of tennis. Fed is doing that with regularity now. And Connors, along with Ken Rosewall, those are the two ultimate Ironmen in tennis, the dudes that could play at that level forever. And that's why, you know, Connors has all the career records and Rosewall has all, like, the oldest guy to do this, oldest guy to do that. Well, Fed is now one year away from Rosewall's record for the oldest player in a slam final. And I think that his longevity 
and this phase of his career is as much of a reason that he would be the greatest of all time as his run from 2004 to 2007, which is, you know, when he won 11 slams in four years, maybe the greatest four-year stretch of any tennis player ever. Now, that was a pretty weak era of tennis outside Fed. You had Rafa just coming up, and on the front side of that, you know, it was really weak. You're coming out of the Juan Carlos Ferreira, Leighton Hewitt, Andy Roddick. These are the world number one kind of guys. But since the start of 2017, his winning percentage is 86.2. That's better than any individual season of his from before then, since 2007, and it would be the best winning percentage of any tennis player's career by far. So from 2017 to now, from ages 36 to 38 and a half, he's playing as well as he did in the late 2000s, and better than he did really for the 2010s up until that point. And I do think that sometimes we forget how bad it looked for Fed for a bit. 2013, he goes 45 and 17 on the year, just one title, no slam finals, deals with back injuries several times over the decade, didn't win a slam from 2012 to 2017. It was like, this dude is out. He's not the same. And I understand that there's this incredible blind faith in Fed, but let me tell you, I remember, even at just like 32 years old, that was gone when he was no longer producing at that level. It was Nadal, it was Djokovic, and Murray was considered on a different tier than Fed at some points of this decade. And for him to turn it around like this to where now he's second all-time in matches won, he's second all-time in titles, those are both behind Connors, and he's approaching these records that Connors has held that have felt untouchable for my entire life. Before the big three, Connors had 109 titles in 1,242 match wins, or he still does, but before the big three, only Lendl even had 80 titles in 1,000 match wins. And now Fed has 103 and I think around 12, 1,200 match wins too. So he's really catching up on Connors and is more consistent at this age than anyone ever except maybe Rosewall. And for him to have this combination of one of the most, maybe the most dominant stretch in tennis history over four years to now age as gracefully as anyone in tennis history, that to me is incredibly significant in the argument for Fed as greatest of all time. Because you can talk about how, yes, Nadal has the head-to-head over him and Djokovic has the head-to-head over him, but he's stayed competitive with these guys into their into his late 30s. Now, those guys are on the older side as well, and they've had incredible longevity, all-time longevity too, but they haven't gotten to the point where, you know, you're really dealing with old age, which is the point that Fed is at right now. And for him to go out there and play hurt in the first place at 38 and a half, it's incredible. And he really did look good. He looked sharp. This wasn't his best tournament overall, but at the start, boy, he was striking the ball cleanly. And he was pushing Djokovic around. Now, Djokovic flipped the script on that, but Federer is incredible and I think that we'll get into more discussions about this as the year goes on, but these are indisputably three of the four greatest tennis players ever playing at the same time right now. And I talked about this earlier on Twitter. There is nothing like that in any other sport. You know, for basketball fans, it's like if Kareem, Jordan, and LeBron shared basically their entire primes. You know, Fed's prime started a little bit before the other two, but basically, except for a few years, it's unprecedented. And that's obvious, but I still feel like sometimes we need to acknowledge it and we can't get caught up in this because the thing is, sooner or later, it's going to come to an end. You know, I can't recall it. A tennis player playing the 40, you know, Karlovich obviously is doing it right now, but he is the exception because he has, his game was built to last because the dude can serve 140 miles an hour still. You think back to Rosewall, and who else is on that level? You know, I always think about Roddick. Roddick retired at, what, 31? and Because that's one of the great players of my childhood. 
it never occurred to me that someone could play at this level at almost 39 years old, and that's part of what makes Federer just downright special. So let's move on to the women's semis and the women's finals that are coming up. So Muguruza played really a wild match against Halep. You know, she's down down 5-3 in the first set, fights, um, breaks at 5-4, breaks again at 6-5. Excuse me, did I say in the first? I meant in the second set. Uh, she always has, just this entire tournament, has won, it feels like, every big point. She had 29 unforced errors in the first set against Halep, who had been running through people. Halep hadn't lost a set in this tournament. And she was hitting such a clean ball, as always, super controlled, super composed, moving perfectly. And Muguruza is just this wild woman out there, missing some shots by four feet. Game to game, you have no idea how she's going to play. And she came out with a win because she was at her best when she needed to be. Now, I don't know if this is sustainable, but in a lot of ways, it's reflective of the career that Muguruza has had because she's going to have a weird legacy. She's a former world number one, and I think sometimes we forget that. 2017, she took over that title for a bit, but she only has seven total career titles. You think of a, a parallel in the men's game, just for example, Zverev is 22 and he has 11 titles. Seven titles. But she's on the verge of winning three slams. She's guaranteed to re-enter the top 20, which is a place that she has not been as of late. She hasn't been top 10 since August of 2018, which doesn't make sense because she's 26 years old and she's a top five talent in tennis. I don't think you can really refute that when she's at her best. And if she wins the slam, she, she could be right on the outside of the top 10. But I mentioned the three slams. If she wins, she will have more slams than from her generation, Halep, Wozniacki, who she already has more slams than, Azarenka, Lee Na, and Kvitova, who also, uh, like Wozniacki, only has one. And she's 26 years old. She can continue to build on it. Does it feel like that? Does it feel like she could have more slams than Halep or than Azarenka or than Lee Na, these perennial titans of women's tennis? Certainly doesn't feel like that to me. Or Wozniacki, who has 71 weeks at number one. Kvitova, who it seems like is a threat to win every single slam. It doesn't feel that way. And she has one less slam than Kleister's and Sanchez Vicario, who both have four. Those are all-time, you know, legitimate number one in the world players. Kleister's especially was was phenomenal for a decade. Or, you know, she, she actually fell out for a little bit, but she had that initial stretch, and then she came back, and she was incredible again. Those are all-time players. And Muguruza's only been to five career slam semis, including this one. And she could have won three titles out of that. So if you're talking about all-time opportunistic tennis players... Muguruza has to be near the top because her legacy could end up being really significant. Like, unexpectedly significant in a way that you would not have ever thought of it. And I think it's interesting to see how she performs against Kennan, and we'll get into that on the other side of the break because she is so tremendously talented. And when she when she's at her best, she can blow anyone off the court. And we saw that with Halep, even with all the mistakes that she made, she fought hard in that tiebreak to win that thing 10-8. She was up, what was she up? 6-4, and then she lost three in a row. She made an unforced error at 6-all, and she just kept coming. She just kept coming, and she just kept hitting big shots. And that, to me, is a little bit unexpected to see from Muguruza, but at the same time, we're all aware of the type of talent that she is. So I think it's exciting to see, and I think Kennan, at 21 years old, I think that she has serious potential to win this match. Now, again, we'll get more into that preview on the other side of the break, but I just think... It's crazy to look at Muguruza's career and think, wow, 
she will have more slams than Halep, Azarenka, Lina, Wozniak, and Kvitova. These people that within her generation, it feels like, have, you know, accomplished way more. But slams are a huge metric of success at the end of the day, you know. When you look when you look back at the career, who had the better career, Stan Wawrinka or David Ferrer? Well, Ferrer was in the top 10 for 10 years, and Stan didn't really, you know, start making waves and slams until he was 28, but he's got three of them. And that's what matters at the end of the day. So... It's going to be a really exciting final coming up. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break, along with previewing the men's semi that is yet to come. You're listening to Down the Line on Blaze Radio and blazeradioonline.com. Yo, G, they can't stop me from rapping, can they? Can they, huh? Welcome, everybody, back into Down the Line here on Blaze Radio. I'm your host, Carson Breber. Let's talk about what Sophia Kennan did the other day, because this was really impressive. Now, Kennan has been making waves all tournament. Of course, she is the one who took down Coco Goff, now beating world number one Barty in a hostile environment at just 21 years old. Won this match 7-6, 8-6 in the first set breaker, 7-5. She will now enter the top 10. And if she were to win this upcoming match against Gabriela Muguruza, she would join only Serena Williams and Sloane Stevens as American women to win a slam since 2009. She would be the youngest American woman to win a slam since Venus did it at 20 years old in 2000. She's me, the youngest American woman to win their first slam. So we're talking about serious historic implications here. And I talked about this on the last episode on Tuesday about how within this group of young American talents, you know, you have Coco Goff, you have... You have Anisimova, who I think is really special. Kennan is now more accomplished than either of them. And granted, she's older. She's three years older than Anisimova and six years older than Coco Goff. But she's now in she's in the big girl seat. She is in serious competitions here, competing with the world's best players and beating them. So let's talk about this match a little bit because this match showed how much of a fighter Kennan is. And I think she showed that against Goff. She's smart. She lets other people beat themselves to a certain extent, but she can hit big shots when she needs to. She's she's passionate. You see the racket came out of her hands a few times, not in an angry way, just in like a drop, like, oh, oh my gosh, I can't believe that this is happening right now. So I really enjoyed seeing that from a young woman who is making one of her one of her first significant runs in professional tennis. And it's it's a huge one. She could end up winning a grand slam right now. We look to the big matchup, her against Muguruza. They've only played once, and Kennan won their only meeting in the China Open last year, 6-love, 2-6, 6-2. And this is a fascinating contrast of styles, because if Muguruza is at her best, Kennan doesn't stand a chance. But my feeling is that Muguruza will not be at her best, and that Kennan will make her hit enough balls where she will beat herself. Now, obviously, Halep made Muguruza hit a bunch of balls, and she just kept finishing points, and Halep didn't play her absolute best in that match, and she gave her just enough of a window of an opportunity to finish despite Muguruza's own flawed performance. I just think, you know, you go back to the first two rounds, Muguruza won both of those in three, um, and she's had some really impressive performances since then. Beat Bertens pretty convincingly. Um, beat Pavlyonchenkova after having a pretty rough first set in which she was broken twice, but she just kept coming back, and that has been the theme for both of these players, is they just have not gone away in this tournament. But Kennan has more of a style where I think that's sustainable because for Muguruza to come back, she has to pull some magic out of, out of the hat every time. Like, she has to play exceptional tennis. She has to hit shots where you look at that and you think, wow, there's only three players on the planet that can hit a shot like that. You know, at six foot, when she dials up her forehand and flattens that thing out, 
I don't know if there's five better shots in women's tennis. That is a powerful weapon that she has. And when the serve is on, that's incredible as well. But that's not always what wins you matches. And I'm as guilty of this as anyone, of falling in love with the weapons. And that's why, you know, in my revised predictions, I did have Muguruza making at least a quarterfinals run, and I want to say a semifinal run. But I can't remember, even though as unreliable as she has been over the past few years, because I believed in that talent. But Kennan just doesn't feel like she's going to lose, which is a crazy thing to say for a relatively unproven 21-year-old. You know, she did have a great year last year, won 49 matches, which was top five on tour. She's just a fighter, and she's gritty. And there's something about that, especially when you look at the pattern of women's tennis, the people that have gotten to rise to number one, the Kerbers and the Halep's. And, you know, Rodwanska was never number one, but she was really relevant for a long time. The Wozniacki. Sometimes it's just the grinders. And it's just the people that get a bunch of balls back. And Kennan feels like she might be the next iteration of that talent. I don't think she's ever a world number one. But I feel like she's going to win a Grand Slam right now at 21 years old. And the craziest part is I think she's still my third favorite young American talent. So while the American men continue to wilt away... And God knows what's happening to any of them. The American woman, even in a post-Serena world, I think are actually really well set up. So my final prediction for this match, I think Kennan wins it. It could very well go three. I think it's probably two close sets. Like, I think there's probably a tiebreak in there. And I think on the big points, Kennan just gets more balls back. And if Muguruza plays like she's shown herself to be capable of at some points, that's fine. And if she does do that, this ends up being one of those signature runs where you're like, this person was just unstoppable for two weeks, and no one was going to beat Muguruza in this tournament. If she does that for one more match, that is how this will go down in history. I'm just a little bit skeptical of that. So let's move on to the men's semifinal that is yet to happen. It's happening tonight. It's happening late tonight, and I'm going to be able to stay up to watch this one live. I couldn't watch Djokovic Federer live. I had to record it and then go back and watch it today. But... These are two guys, and I wanted to call them young guys, but Dominic Team is 26 years old, so I'm not going to call him young because he's not young. Two guys that have been extremely accomplished on tour. Dominic Team had the most wins on tour in an era with the big three from 2016 to 19. The most wins, period. But zero slam semis outside of the French Open and only one slam quarterfinal. That's over four years in the top ten, and I went over in great detail on Twitter how historically bad that is. It was... It's the third least quarterfinals of anyone to finish in the top 10 for three straight years in the four years since their first finish in top 10. (laughs) I understand that's a mouthful, but basically for perennial top 10 people in their first four years in the top 10, it was the third worst, the third least quarterfinals appearances since 1980. And there were caveats with the others because one of them was Gene Mayer, who didn't even play the Australian Open. um, And the other one was Tim Henman, who, you know, was really only good at Wimbledon. So historically bad. And then Zverev is even on another level because Zverev has had the fourth most wins from 2016 to 2019. Zero slam semifinals, only two quarters at the French, which has always been weird to me why he's better on clay because it just doesn't seem like he's big serve, big forehand. Yes, he's got control and he actually plays a pretty beautiful game on clay, but it just feels like, you know, he lost first round at Wimbledon last year. That is so disappointing from someone with his skill set. But at slams from 2016 to 19, as a Perennial top 10 player had more first round losses than quarterfinals appearances. That's including his two. That's just overall three first round losses, two quarterfinal appearances. Come on, man. And then to start the season, 
if anything was going to affirm your doubt and my doubt in these two, they want to combine one and five at the ATB Cup. Really more Zverev than team. I was really hard on team earlier in this tournament because I was just disappointed that he almost lost to Alexander Bolt. And, you know, he's been disappointing in slams outside of the French. But team is more consistent than Zverev, who is just a disaster. And team lost to her Cox and Chorich, who are two solid players, two guys he should beat eight times out of ten. And then Zverev just lost to everyone he played. So he went 0-3. And these were two guys. Uh, Zverev I picked to lose in the third round of Verdasco. And he ran through him. And then I picked him to lose in the fourth round of Rublev, who was undefeated on the season. And he pretty much ran through him in straights. And then I picked him to lose to Stan Wawrinka. And Stan obliterated him in the first set. And then Zverev was just cool, calm, and collected. And he's playing with a different level of confidence than I think we've ever seen from him before. He looks composed. He's serving huge. He's hitting big from the ground. And I can't pick against him. So I actually think that he's going to beat Team, and I think he's going to be in the final. But on the flip side of that, you look at the incredible turnaround from Dominic Team, who just fired his, whatever, associate head coach or whatever Thomas Mooster's role was, fired him mid-tournament. And then beat Rafa Nadal in a slam quarterfinal in an incredible match. He's hitting the ball so well. His pace for a guy, you know, he's not a, he doesn't feel like a big guy. I think he's 6'1 out there, but he can serve high 130s. His backhand is so powerful with that one-hander when he flattens it out, or even with, with topspin. It's just an incredibly powerful game with control, with top-notch movement, which is why this shouldn't be his first semifinal outside of the French. But... You know, enough enough criticism. It's time to acknowledge that these two guys have actually turned it around and what they're doing right now is impressive. So in the head-to-head, Dominic Team leads 6-2 overall. He leads 2-1 on hard, but on outdoor hard, Zverev leads 1-0. And that's part of why I have Zverev coming out on top. Uh, is his Well, actually, that's not really a reason. The reason is just more of Zverev is a better hardcore player over their careers. His winning percentage on hard, almost 65%. Team is just 59%, and with his motivation, with the fact that he's donating $10,000 from every match win to relief for the Australian bushfires, which if I were him, I would do that every time going forward because it, it seems to work. That's really been impressive for him, and that's been incredible. And also, what an awesome thing to do to you know think about something other than yourself. He's just really impressed me all around. And I think this is the kind of match that could end up being really entertaining. Before the Fed Djokovic semi even ended up being not all that great, I thought that this was going to be the better semifinal. I thought this one would go five, whereas I predicted that Djokovic would beat Fed in straight just because Fed hadn't looked all that great and Djokovic had looked incredible. With team playing this aggressive this well, with Zverev playing this aggressive this well, I think we're going to see an awesome match in which both guys are trying to attack. And historically, you might think Team wouldn't play defensively, but I don't think he would maybe actively attack. I think they're both going to be going after it in this match, and I think they both want to make a statement for two guys that have consistently underperformed in big spots and have been doubted because of it. This is a huge statement match where you get out of a side of the bracket with with Rafa Nadal and with Daniil Medvedev, even though, granted, neither of them beat him, two guys that I would pick any day of the week to beat them in a slam. They're proving, they're proving people wrong right now. And now the track record is still there, and so past criticisms hold up, but they can rewrite the narrative, and Zverev at 22 years old, he's been around forever, but he's 22, if he can write this ship, and maybe this is what he needs, because I think he's been open about his lack of confidence, you have one big run, that can really turn things around. Now, I could never pick either of them over Djokovic with the form that he has been in in the final, and I think anyone that would do that 
is frankly foolish. But, and honestly, I don't know if I could pick either of them to get a set. But I think Zverev comes out on top here. I think it's a thrilling semifinal. And this is really good for tennis because I have been extremely concerned about the future of tennis after the big three who have dominated the sport again like no one else in history because you have Tsitsipas. Yes, he's only 20 years old, but he's underperformed at slams in a little bit over the year that he's really been relevant. Zverev and team have been massive underperformers. You have Shapovalov and Oje Aliassim. They're even younger than the rest, and I do still have faith in them, but they both lost first round. And you look around, and it didn't take <laughs> Djokovic and Federer and Nadal until they were 25 to break through. Djokovic won his first slam at 20. Fed was, what, 20 or 21 Rafa, I think, was 18 or 19, so they were young. But I think that this is good for the sport, and I think that it's promising. One last thing before we go, I just wanted to shout out a certain player from the girls' bracket, Victoria jimenez Casinsteva. I think it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating name. She's Andorran. She's 14 years old, and she's into the girls' semifinals as the nine seed. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've watched a lot of it because I've been you know, busy focused on the matches that have ramifications right now, but she just beat second-seeded Robin Montgomery from the U.S., and she's an eighth grader. And you look around at everyone else that has advanced thus far in the junior bracket, both boys and girls, and they're all 17, and she's 14. So next up, she's got uh, Zushan Bai of China, and I'm going to be rooting for her because I can't think of an Andorran tennis player, and at 14 years old, you know, you can't just dismiss everything because Coco Goff exists. At 14 years old, to be competing at that, this high of a level and to be a top 20 junior in the world in the nine seed at a junior slam, as she is right now, very impressive. And I hope that I actually do get to see a bit of her next match against um, Mrs. Bai because I'm really interested in seeing what she's made of. I saw that she won some tournament at uh, an Agassi Longines some sort of tournament there last year, but she was young, and you could see how young she was. So it's very exciting. We've got more tennis coming in. We've got the, the Zverev team matchup coming up tonight, and then, of course, we've got the finals over the next couple days. I think this is going to be awesome, and we're going to see some legacies changed. That's going to do it here on Down the Line. I've been Carson Brever. You're listening to Blaze Radio and blazeradioonline.com.